everyone. I'm Maria Sansone, and welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here with me today. This was a cool episode because for the first time in Mom to Mom history, I had an in-person guest in studio. We've been doing this on Zoom for so long, so that was very exciting. And this is a conversation that I was really looking forward to because I find this topic very intriguing, and the conversation was very interesting, albeit maybe a little divisive, depending on where you stand on this particular topic. So today I sat down with Emily Lynn Paulson. She is here on her book tour for her brand new book, and it's called Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and the Other Lies Behind Multi-Level Marketing which is an account of her personal experience with an MLM. Maybe you're familiar with this concept. Maybe you aren't. But MLM stands for multi-level marketing. And she talks about her personal time when she was working in an MLM and eventually getting out. And she has gotten a lot of harsh criticism for this book. She's got also a lot of positive uh, feedback from this book. So like I said, um, take a listen. Let me know what you think. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Emily Lynn Paulson. First of all, it is so exciting to have a real live guest here. Oh. And it's so cool because we had you on Mom to Mom back in the COVID days, yep. right? So I was still recording in the attic. Yep. And you were home and we were talking about your other thing. Yeah. Sober Mom Squad. Sober Mom yeah. Squad, which we'll get into also. So you may recognize her from the founder of Sober Mom Squad. Um, but we've got to talk about this book. So for people at home who are like, MLM, multi-level marketing, like if you don't know what this is, explain to everyone, because this is really going to be the topic of this conversation. That's what the book is really all about. Yeah. So you've probably heard of companies that are MLMs, and really it's the multi-level part that is the important part. It's when you don't join a company just to sell products. It's really you join a person in a company, and they make a commission off of your sales. The people above them make a commission off the sales. And then your job is to recruit other people to join in the company. Okay. Yeah. So we've all been either a part of one of these. I'm sure I have viewers at home who mm -hmm. are involved in these, who may be selling. Um, maybe we've purchased products mm -hmm. from some of these things. We're talking about these businesses that sell face products and leggings and aromatherapy and all of those different types of things that you may be targeted on Instagram and all that stuff. So you speak from experience because you were involved in an MLM for how long? Almost seven years. Almost seven years. Yeah. So share with us a little bit about your experience, how you how you got involved in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom. I have five kids. And wow. Yes. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of momming. You were looking for an escape, I'm yeah. sure. Looking for an escape, looking for some way to contribute and without having to afford childcare for five kids. Yeah. You know, I had a husband with a really demanding schedule who traveled a lot, um, and it just wasn't in the cards to go back to a traditional job. So I was looking for that. I was also, you know, kind of in this place where I was lonely. And I think a lot of moms, you know, you're home, you're surrounded by people, you're surrounded by kids. But it's super isolating. But it's isolating, yeah. yeah. So when I was approached by a friend to invite me out for wine and a get together with some of her MLM people, 
I jumped at the chance and it could have been anything. I was just looking for that night out, that escape, the kind of reprieve. Mm -hmm. And it sort of seemed to check all the boxes. Like, oh, here's something that comes with people and potential income. Mm -hmm. And hey, I'll try this. It, and the trips. Yeah. You always see the trips associated with this, which mm -hmm. always just look like a bunch of women drinking wine and mm -hmm. having fun and in these fabulous places. So it is very enticing. Yeah, it's it's aspirational, you know, and those are the that's really the those income claims that are kind of peppered in those social media posts is, wow, join us, buy this business kit, and you could come on these trips too, when in reality, it's not that simple. So talk to me about buying the business kit. So that's a part I wasn't familiar with. Like, yeah. I think on some level, we all, we have a somewhat of an understanding of how these things work, but I didn't realize that you had to actually buy in. Yes. to the program. Yeah, so multi-level marketing companies are paid to play. And that really is the way that these companies make most of their money. Because the majority of people will purchase the business kit and then never actually make a dime. 99.7% of people never make money. Hmm. Um, some people intentionally purchase it just to have the products. Some people intend to make a lot of money and then don't. So, Or at least probably hope that they, yeah, they will. Yeah, they hope. So how will. much are these kits? I mean, it depends, depends on the depends. MLM, be, but yeah, several hundred, hundred to several thousand dollars, um, depending on the company. So you have to have some level of money to even get involved. Right. So that's one of the things that this meritocracy of anyone can do this, you know, this is available to anybody. It really isn't because you have to have some sort of privilege to begin with. You need to have a financial pri privilege to buy the business kit in the first place. And you have to have a network of people who also have money. Wow. Okay. So cut to you're now fully involved in this MLM and you're not just average Joe, like you were crushing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So what kind of like, what is the, what did that look like? What was your, your day to day and what kind of money were you pulling in? Yeah. So this was one, this was really part of the cognitive dissonance of anyone can do this because I made it. Um, and part of what I had going for me was again, I had a second income in the home. My husband had a job, and so I had money I could spend on the products. Mm. And there are always required monthly product purchases. I had friends who also had money who could purchase products. So I escalated very quickly, and then I thought, well, gosh, because I did this, I'm sure everyone else would be able to do this too. So that belief that other people could also achieve that kept me sharing and recruiting people and getting other people Why do you think you were able to move up so fast? Just because the people you were recruiting we're putting the money in too. It's just, did, yeah. was it like a little luck or was part it? Part of it's dumb luck. I mean, sales yes. person? I, I don't know. I mean, I think part of it's dumb luck. I think part of it was the particular area I was in at the time, it was very new. It was very new company, very new products to that area. Not a lot of people knew about it. So when one of my friends heard me selling something, they're like, sure, I'll try that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after, of course, after I recruited my friends into it, then, you know, the area kind of becomes saturated. And, 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 and so I, they're not moving up as fast right. as you are. You were kind of like the star. Exactly. So were you the person with the fancy car and the person that was on stage yep. going on all the trips? I was that person. And so were you required to do a lot of posting on social media and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. And obviously that's what got me into it too, was this, oh, it, look at what could be the possibility of maybe going on these trips with friends. And it's all about selling the dream, whether that exists or not. You'll see a lot of like platitudinous buzzwords and you'll see a lot of like work from anywhere when actually that means work from everywhere. <laughs> You've got to bring your phone everywhere you go, um, you know, or these trips that look free when in 
reality, you're paying a lot of money for them and you have to qualify for them by spending a lot of money on product or qualifying for, uh, you know, different metrics and then you're taxed on them. So, you know, it's, it's just not always as it seems. And from what I know about you from interviewing before about the Sober Mom Squad and Highlight Reel and everything, like you like to be transparent about what you're doing, about your recovery. You were mm -hmm. so transparent. So what you're saying is not aligning mm -hmm. with the Emily who you are today. Yeah. So I'm very curious when you started to get the real icks. Yes, so it really was when I got sober. When I stopped drinking, which was a few years in to being in the MLM, I started to realize like, hmm, I can't send those cold messages anymore. I can't post these things on Facebook anymore because they didn't feel authentic. Were you doing it when you were, when mm -hmm. you were drinking? Because mm -hmm. it felt... Yeah, and a lot of the business activities are done at these like big retention events where there's champagne being passed around or you know, at meeting friends out for wine. Yeah. You know, a lot of these things are done um, and, and drinking is encouraged. So if you're a person like me who was already kind of escaping with wine, it was just another catalyst to keep doing it. Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know. We know exactly where you stand on multi-level marketing. I want to be clear that I'm being careful because I have friends who are involved in this. You have friends, obviously, Absolutely. who are still involved in this. I bought products from um, multi-level marketing, not probably realizing it was at the time. Um, and so I think it's, and I've heard you say this, to, we're talking about the system mm -hmm. and not the individuals, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. This whole book, you're not attacking any individuals. Mm -hmm. You're you're talking about the system as a whole Yeah, and, and your experience. Yeah, and I'm very careful. To, I don't name the specific company really for a reason because again, it is, it's not that particular company. It's just the system as a whole that was built and it's not the people in it. It's right. really just the system. Were you afraid to tell this story? I mean, at first, when I first started thinking about sharing this, um, I was. But then as I started researching more and understanding how much was behind it and understanding, you know, I almost felt an obligation at a certain point to, once I started interviewing women for sure, how many women had these really negative experiences. And I thought this is something that needs to be out there. So people know that it's not their fault for not succeeding and that they're not alone. How are you navigating the response? Because I know some of it's been harsh and you have so many people who are still involved and some of the people you actually hired yourself. So they're your friends. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, kind of a double-edged sword when you do recruit your friends and family. You know, that's your warm market, right? Those are the people you talk to first. But by the same token, those are the people who knew you, loved you before the MLM, What's the term right? for that? When the you, dirt list. You guys. <laughs> so it's called the dirt list. I had never heard this term before. Yes. Explain what that is. So the dirt list is the people who would buy dirt from you. <gasps> 
basically it's who would you talk to? You know, it's the friend who your mom, like no matter what you were selling at school or, you know, yeah. fundraiser, they would always They're buy buying what you're selling. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's your dirt list. So those are the people you talk to. So of course the friends who were my friends before are still my friends after, even if they are still in the MLM, because that isn't contingent upon friendship. Now for those who I some of who I met in the MLM, who the only drawing point between us is the MLM, those friendships really can't stay because what they need to believe to stay in versus what I'm saying aren't in alignment. So, so we talked about this before, but you were the founder of the Sober Mom Squad and you talked about when you got sober and you were still very much a part of the MLM, the lights kind of came on, mm -hmm. the beer goggles kind of came off and you were kind of realizing this wasn't in alignment with who you were. So were there other red flags and how long then did it take you to, to leave? Yeah, I mean, it took me still a couple of years because you, I think there is a lot of cognitive dissonance that you want to believe in what you've been selling. Mm. Uh, some of the red flags on, along the way, again, were those things that initially I felt cringy about, but then maybe were talked away. Like, oh, I don't feel comfortable talking about this. But then you'd be told, well, that's really how you step into your comfort or step out of your comfort zone. Mm. And that's how you grow. Um, or you know, maybe thoughts about spending money. And, you know, I'd be told you've got to spend money to make money, or that's just rent on your business. And then those things I would share, mm. Um, I think the biggest red flag for me was again, after I got sober and realized I had been coaching these people to do all the things I was doing because I thought that's what made me successful. And I was seeing with my own eyes that they weren't succeeding. So it was really being willing to have some critical thinking and look at information um, that I wasn't willing to look at before, getting my information from outside of the MLM company. Tell us how you came up with the name, Hey Hun. One of the things I was surprised to read about was the actual scripts mm -hmm. that you were given. Yes. So cold messaging, social media, that really was what made my MLM take off, what made you know me rise so high in the ranks because I reached out to a lot of people on social media. And the hey hun is really known in MLM speak as like the script, you know, hey hon, hey friend, hey mama, hey whatever. Hey babe. Um, reaching out. And, and part of the reason is because when you cut and paste the message over and over, so you don't write someone's name accidentally to the wrong person. So you keep it real generic. So the scripts are given and this is stuff that you're, you're cold calling people mm -hmm. essentially on social, but you're also having to put yourself out there and mm -hmm. do like Instagram lives and yep. really get out of your comfort zone. And every time you kind of felt like this wasn't you, the pushback was, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and then if you aren't making sales or aren't ranking up, because again, most people don't, then you can just be told, well, you're not doing enough of XYZ personal development material. You're not reading enough books. You're not going live on Facebook enough. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. And who's to argue with it? Because it's a sacred science that no one can crack because you can always be doing more. So how many hours does a typical person that you were working with, or maybe you and your team, what kind of hours were you putting in in a day? I mean, honestly, it's sold as something that you can do in your spare time, but what that really means is doing it all the time. You know, you always have your phone with you, so you're always able to post on social media. You're always able to connect with people. You know, you're added to a lot of messenger threads and Voxer chats and Marco Polo, you know, all of these social media apps as a way to kind of keep you in and keep you engaged. So you're connected really all of the time. Okay, so then I read this essay that you had written um, that was shared with the Today Show mm -hmm. and everything about, and this is your words, how mm -hmm. you exploited 
cancer, your own cancer, for the sake of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of those things in retrospect, you can see how you're led astray. And looking back, it's like, ooh, that's one of the things that I held a lot of shame about. And I yeah. thought, that's why I need to talk about it. Because the sob stories in multi-level marketing are what are used as these vulnerable places um, you know, at convention, at these retention events, on social media, you see them all the time. Like, oh, I was so sad. I got divorced. I was alone. I had no money. And now I'm killing it. Now mm. I've got this shiny new car. Or I was this and now I'm that. It's all before and afters. It's, you know, worse and better. And so when I was given this diagnosis and I felt very, you know, I felt very lost about it. I felt like, gosh, how am I going to keep working? How is this going to work? And when it was suggested to me like, hey, why don't, you know, maybe you could have a fundraiser or something. I mean, that sounds very, that sounds great. That sounds like something we're used to supporting. We're used to GoFundMes. We're used to fundraisers. Yeah. And even though I made good on the fundraiser by, you know, donating the money to this charity, it still required people coming to an event. It required people purchasing in the products name of, in the name of cancer. I have cancer. Right. And I think language is very important too. When mm -hmm. you see something where a portion of the proceeds go right. to charity, right. you have to you have to look at that through you a do. certain lens. If you have a charity that you love, what do you recommend? Just donating to directly. the charity. Yeah. Yes. And I could have easily just said, hey, give me $20 and I'll give it to the charity. Um, but by... Yes having this event, it was my uplines were getting a cut and so were their uplines right. and the parent company. So when you had to reconcile with all of that, and obviously you knew that that was wrong mm -hmm. on some level, do you take ownership for that? Or do you feel like it was because you were part of this system and you weren't working with your full capacity? Yeah, I mean, both. Obviously, I can look back and say, you know, I was under these influences. I did this because this was my intention. And now I know the impact. I know what that really did. And I think I really go by like the best apology is changed behavior. And that's why I did write an essay about it because I think the only way you can highlight those things is by talking about them. And when I was faced with those circumstances later, um, I knew that that wasn't the way I wanted to go about it. I knew that that wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. Was it hard to walk away from the paycheck in the end? Cause you were making big bucks mm -hmm. cause you were one of the stars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. And it wasn't, I think at some point, no amount of money is worth doing something that's so out of alignment with who you are. So when you made up your mind, you made up your mind. may be almost out for summer, but the stations of NBC and Telemundo Boston are committed to supporting our educators year-round. To learn how you can support your local schools, teachers, and students, go online to NBC10Boston.com slash supporting our schools. So before the break, we were talking about I said, how can you walk away from all this money? You were making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, they said you were making a million, but I guess it's not exactly quite that. Yeah, that's one of those things that's not so transparent. So when someone is considered a million dollar earner, that million dollars is commissioned over the entirety of their time in an MLM. So if that's multiple years and you divide that out, Still sounds pretty good, but that doesn't include taxes, expenses, product purchases, trips, the, you know, other things that they're taxed on. So the numbers really aren't as good as what so you see. It's not untrue, but it's not exactly it's not the whole story. The yep. whole story. Interesting. Okay, so what was your husband saying during this time? Yeah, you know, he was really supportive of whatever I wanted to do, um, but he didn't ever take it so seriously. He wasn't one of those guys who would have 
retired himself out of the workforce because of the income. He kind of always saw it, saw it for what it was, which was, okay, this is a fun side thing. Don't take it too seriously. And, you know, it doesn't have any protections like 401k or paid time off or health insurance. Um, so thankfully he was always very financially uh, responsible and didn't quit his day job. So how was the process of removing yourself from the situation? Yeah. I mean, luckily, like it happened over a fairly, you know, a couple of years and it was me really talking to my team, talking to the people who I brought in and mm -hmm. saying, look, this is what I used to believe. This is what I believe now. Um, and this is what I'm going to do about it. And I kind of started slowly exiting. I stopped sharing those things on social media, stopped direct messaging people, stopped really selling at all and kind of thought I would just put it on the back burner and it would just kind of slowly go away. Um, and then it was really during COVID that I realized I couldn't be a part of it anymore. But tell us what wound up happening during that time. It was like you kind of were on autopilot, mm -hmm. but the money kept coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, really for me not doing anything, I was still earning a paycheck. And yet the people on my team who were doing all the work we're not. It was just the confirmation I think I needed. Um, along with, you know, there was this swirling storm on social media with a lot of misinformation and uh, it was just something I couldn't be a part of anymore. Now there are so many women out there who are part of this right mm -hmm. now and it's not all bad, right? Some of these products are great. Some people are, seem to be living great lives. I mean, is there any redeeming anything in these MLMs yeah, after I mean, your experience? You know, nothing is ever all bad. I mean, I can look back and I, I met some wonderful people. I went on great trips, but overall the system is harmful. And so I think just take a look at, if you're involved in these companies and you're having a great time, awesome, good for you. If you use products, that's awesome you love them. But also look at where you're getting your information. Who is telling you that you need to keep spending money? Who is telling you that these products are the best? Who is telling you this information and maybe just have a little bit more critical thinking that maybe that information isn't totally right. So if someone out there gets a random, hey, hun, <laughs> note on Facebook from someone they haven't heard from in a while, yeah. how would you recommend responding? Yeah. So no is a complete sentence. I always say that. Um, but, you know, I, I always say, like, be the soft place to land when someone inevitably maybe quits or realizes it's not a place that they want to spend their time or money because, again, 99.7% of people never earn a dime. And so, you know, politely say no thank you um, and really realize that support of a friend isn't going to be through buying their products because they are benefiting very little from it. So if you want to support your friends, you know, take them out for a meal, get them out of the house, or babysit their kids, or think of some other way that actually helps support them and maybe ask what else you can do to support them so you're not supporting the system that does exploit a lot of people. So when you first signed up for this way back when, you were looking for your purpose. You were mm -hmm. looking for yourself. You were a mom with five kids and you were looking for a little fun and all of that. Have you found your purpose now? Do you think you're on that path? Yeah, I think what it really required was asking myself, what are you really looking for, right? Like, you know, and, and this really goes for anybody. Like if you're looking for money, what are some ways you could do that? Like, let's look at some other options, right? You know, I'm looking for a community. I'm looking for an, something to do. You know, why don't you join a group or uh, pick up a hobby? Um, there's a lot of ways to, to fulfill those needs. And MLMs will really package themselves as the way to fit all your needs. And I think there's just there are better ways to do that. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We covered a lot of ground, and I appreciate your transparency. So everyone, you can get Hey Hun, Sales, Sisterhood, Supremacy, and the other lies behind multi-level marketing. Um, there was a lot of eye-opening things in here for me. I thought I knew a lot about this area, but th there were things that I certainly didn't know from someone who has this personal experience. So good luck on the book tour. Thank you. Congratulations, and come back anytime you're in town. Yeah. we got to talk about Sober Mom Squad, too, like oh, we yeah. did the first That's time. Right. Yes. All right, so you'll have to come back. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember, if you're in the Boston area, you can watch Mom to Mom on Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC 10 Boston. And if you're listening to this episode and you like what you hear, please, I ask you to rate and review. It goes a long way in the podcast space. It's very valuable. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you for tuning in today. So thank you so much. And I'll catch you next time here on Mom to Mom.